This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plan, celebrating 75 years of providing Tennesseans with high-quality coverage at an affordable price. Visit FBHP.com to learn about our history in Tennessee, and there is nobody that knows high-quality health care coverage better than Farm Bureau Health Plans. With Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith, and this is the first edition of the OTP to come out after the regular season ends. Correct. So we get off the plane from Jacksonville approximately 2 a.m., got in bed at 3. Sunday was not much of a day in terms of football by design because we were getting back so late. Mike Vrabel brings the players in early on Monday morning. They take exit physicals. They meet with position coaches. They have discussions. They clean out their lockers. They meet with the media. Some of them, not every player is interviewed by a member of the media, but but many are. Yes. And so that happens. And then Vrabel goes on with his press conference. I think it was at 11.30. Yes. About 40 minutes. Very detailed. Mm-hmm. Uh, very detailed for Vrabel um, in terms of some of the specific things that he said. Many have pulled out cuts about we need to get faster. Many have pulled out cuts about people need to be better prepared to handle soft tissue injuries by their preparation. Lots of things brought out of it. Not a lot of formal declarations towards players for next year, understanding that a new GM is coming in. And so he wasn't going too far with what he said on certain players, with the exception, I would say, of Jeffrey Simmons, who he praised lavishly. And for Vrabel, it was lavish praise. Yes. And any nice things said are lavish praise for Mike Vrabel. Generally. Yeah. Yeah, he's not he's not a name someone specifically by name kind of guy. So if he does, no, and that gets me in good. that gets me in trouble when I ask him general questions like, "Hey, who did you think played well?" Or he he does not like to answer those questions. So yeah. I try to stay away from him. But sometimes yes, sometimes no. The other takeaway too is there was not a resounding endorsement of Todd Downing as the offensive coordinator in Vrabel's comments. Um, he was asked specifically by John Glennon, had any members of the staff been let go at that point? He said no. Uh, I think it's probably true because I have a hunch that when the press conference was over and the players were gone, that was when he went to work having discussions with the staff. And then at 4 o'clock that afternoon, we were hit with the news. The Tennessee Titans informed offensive coordinator Todd Downing, offensive line coach Keith Carter, secondary coach Anthony Midget and offensive skills assistant Eric Frazier. They had been relieved of their coaching staff. Were you surprised by the timing? The timing was surprising to me because it is not typically how the Titans have handled moves like that. There's usually a longer period of time before some of those announcements are made. There's usually a couple days. This was pretty quick by historic Tennessee Titans standards, historic Mike Vrabel standards. I wasn't surprised that there were moves that were made. I didn't expect the timeline to be what it was. Yeah, I didn't expect 4 o'clock that afternoon. Correct. I would have thought the next day or Wednesday. Mm -hmm. There's usually a little bit more time. Uh, To the point that we actually recorded the Mike Vrabel show that night, the final Mike Vrabel radio show, a little peek behind the curtain for the OT people. So that show was done. I pulled in my driveway and the release had come out about them firing the coaches. Yeah, we finished around like three-ish. Yes. Yeah. I had to turn around, drive back to Nashville, 
and Rep. <laughs> Brian and I had to re-edit part of the show for Monday night because what we had done is Rabel was not going to be on on Monday night. He wants to go home and be with his wife and be with sons and have a nice dinner. I mean, season's over. It's been a hard year. Totally get that. Uh, he did so much for us during the course of training camp and up through the regular season. I mean, Rabel is fantastic. And this is standard fare with all coaches. I mean, Fisher was like this and – you know, all yeah. uh, Munchak and Wizenhunt and and Malarkey, all the way through standard uh, procedure. Standard procedure. This is this is not new. So we had to come back in and, and recut part of the show, <laughs> but that was just kind of an, an interesting aside. That so right now, not surprised that Downing was let go. No, Todd Downing's a good football coach. He's a he's an exceptionally nice man. The offense, however, two hundred ninety eight total points, two hundred ninety seven yards per game. 36.5% on third down, 53% on fourth down in terms of conversions, 171 passing yards per game. You just you understood that that wasn't making it. Vrabel is not going to make a bunch of changes in season. No, that's not his thing. That's not his thing because his feeling is at that point, unless you're forced to, then you're disrupting whatever flow that you have. When it's time to address, it's time to address. Now – had there been some sort of calamitous sort of thing that had gone on with the football team in particular, that's one thing. And I understand that people are like, well, you got to do this, you got to do this, because other teams make changes. You saw what the Colts did. They made several changes. And, and listen, sometimes they work, but Vrabel just does not believe. He says, this is what we've got, this is what we're going with, and here we go, and at the end of the season, we will – you know, we will address, and and he did literally within hours. Mike Vrabel is a man of consistency in a lot of different aspects of a football season. He likes to maintain a consistent routine, a consistent schedule. He likes to have consistent personnel, and there's a loyalty factor too. I mean, you have you've hired people to do a job. Let them continue to do the job. At the end of the year, we will reassess that job, but let's go forward with what we have and try to do the very best we can under whatever set of circumstances the season provides, and then we will evaluate when it's all over, and that's that's Mike Vrabel. So Downing was gone quickly. I think more people were surprised about offensive line coach Keith Carter and secondary coach Anthony Midget because Carter was an original hire on the Vrabel staff. He came, if my recollection is correct, he came at the recommendation of – Matt LaFleur, I think there was some tie-in there. He came from Atlanta. The secondary coach, Anthony Midget, is somebody that Vrabel had known from his time with the Texans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think what, what that speaks to, just my opinion, is a change in personality, a change in teaching style, a change possibly in some technique issues, is he wants some things done differently, and he feels like whether it's an internal hire or an external hire to replace these gentlemen – that just new voice needs to be heard at, the, at those two positions, which were not as successful this year as a group as they had been in years past. Fresh set of eyes. Fresh set of eyes. I think, fresh ideology. Yeah, fresh, I think fresh ideology is yeah. better said. A new voice. Yeah, yeah. The situation with Frazier and why he was relieved of his coaching duties, I, I can't really speak to that. He was somebody who worked with the receivers um, – Obviously, the Titans have a receivers coach that 
they they certainly think a lot of in Rob Moore, and so um, I don't know much about why or what if they're just looking to get somebody new into that position. But, you know, we'll see what happens from here, and we'll see how quickly Vrabel goes. Does he hire internally? Does he look externally? He has normally been someone who has been willing to scan the lot, to listen to people. I mean, he hired Matt LaFleur, in essence, on a recommendation because LaFleur was interviewed for the head coaching job here. The people here liked him. He he targeted Ryan Day, if you'll remember. Yes, I do remember. Well, then Ryan Day ends up being the head coach at Ohio State, and I'd say that's worked out pretty well. Yeah, that was fine. Well, when that didn't happen and a couple other things didn't sort of fit together, the uh, brass here said, hey, we interviewed Matt LaFleur, and he was terrific. Well, Vrabel doesn't know Matt LaFleur from anybody in terms of coaching, but he brings him in, and he says, oh, yeah, this is great, and he hires him. And that, that always showed a lot to me because, I mean, obviously what happens after one year, Matt LaFleur gets hired as a coach of the Green Bay Packers. Right. So that told me all I needed to know about Vrabel. He's never been scared to have talent on the staff. He's never been scared to go out and get somebody. He's also never been scared to promote. I don't think he has any one pattern that he necessarily looks at with it. No. Uh, he has promoted more because I think he prefers stability and consistency and message, but it doesn't mean that he won't go outside. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to watch in the coming days and weeks as it pertains to filling some of these roles, seeing what direction he ends up going because, I mean, one could influence the other. The way that you go with offensive coordinator could influence what you end up doing with that offensive line coach. Sure. I, I mean, there's just there's a lot of things to watch. And with that, plus a general manager search all kind of on the horizon, there's a lot of there's a lot of upside to this offseason. Yeah, the I, don't, I don't think the uh, general manager search is even on the horizon. I mean, I think it's coming in the next couple of days. I think it is going to be rolling. Yeah, quick horizon. Well, because it's a um, – it's a situation where she has already, Amy Adams-Strunk, has already identified candidates, understands what she wants to do and who she wants to interview. She's put in slips on several people from other teams. We don't know which teams have said no or the person has said, hey, I'm just going to stay where I am or who the exact candidates will be. But I think they will reveal themselves rather quickly. And OT people, if you're following this and you're wondering, the national reporters have had lots of names because they, you know, you turn in a slip to ask for permission for that person to be able to interview. So the names are probably not going to be a big secret. The Titans will not confirm the names beforehand, but when an interview is done, the Titans, as I've, as I've been told, do plan to say, Bob Smith has we talked to so and so. Yeah, we've talked to so and so for the job, and that interview has been completed or. So on and so forth. Yeah. We do know internal candidates, Ryan Cowden and Monty Ossenfort, both very, very capable. Cowden is long time with the team, uh, vice president of player personnel. Ossenfort, a longtime Patriots guy who came here, who is outstanding at what he does. The Cardinals have asked to interview him as well. Cowden has interviewed for several jobs in the past. By all rights, he was a finalist in terms of the outside candidates for the Steelers' job a year ago. Um, so we'll wait and see. And you wonder, uh, as that goes fast, and I, I think there's some feeling that, that that can get done by the Senior Bowl. Wow. 
the Senior Bowl actually starts on Monday the 30th. That's Senior Bowl week. So as we record this right now, that's 19 days away. Maybe it happens by then. Maybe it doesn't. But if you have that person in place, you'd, you'd like to have them representing you at the Senior Bowl in Mobile for that week. Mike Keith, can you believe the Senior Bowl is 19 days away? Yeah, I can. Because um, <laughs> oh, okay. where we Thanks. are, I, I mean, I mean, we're rolling now. We are. So at this point, Friday, January the 20th, the list of underclassmen who have been approved for entry into the 2023 college draft will be sent to the clubs. So all the underclassmen who apply and who are confirmed at that point, and you see a lot of names in the paper. Yeah. This guy from Michigan and this guy from Wisconsin and this guy from Alabama and, you know, all the players from Georgia and all of these things happening. So you're starting to see the names. There will be a compiled list that will be out on Friday, January the 20th. Senior Bowl week begins January the 30th. That's also the beginning of Pro Bowl week. The Senior Bowl in Mobile is Saturday, February 4th. The Pro Bowl in what is left of it, I guess, <laughs> the flag football game. Yes, the actual flag football game will be will on Sunday. Sunday, February the 5th. Super Bowl 57 at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, Sunday, February the 12th. All right, so then on the 21st of February, that's when clubs may designate franchise or transition players. So that begins the window for the tags. That's February the 21st. The combine opens a week later on February the 28th. Whoop, whoop. And so we'll go back to Indianapolis for the combine, and that will last through Monday, March the 6th. Wow. So it's a Tuesday to Monday. Uh, the top 51 rule, when the combine opens, the top 51 rule is in effect. Uh, all clubs must be under the 2023 salary cap prior to 3 p.m. So that's getting started. Yep. Okay, so the combine concludes on March the 6th. One week later, March the 13th, the free agent negotiation period begins. Legal tampering. The legal tampering period begins Monday, March the 13th. On Wednesday at 3 o'clock Central Time, free agency and the league year begin. Crazy. So the 2023 season begins on Wednesday, March the 15th at 3 p.m. That's when it all gets started. And then two weeks later, March 26th through 29, spring meetings at the Biltmore, Arizona, which is a big deal because that's where the rules are discussed. That's the, the owners have four major meetings a year. This is the big one. That's the biggest one. That's where – a lot of the things that we talk about all season long are dealt with at that meeting. Off-season program begins for teams with new coaches on Monday, April 3rd. The Titans and everybody else who returns their coach will start the off-season program on Monday, April 17th. Then the draft is in Kansas City Thursday through Saturday, April 27th through 29th. Rookie Premier, uh, which is another big event, uh, is... May 18 through 21. Does anybody feel like Mike Keith just fast forwarded through all of our lives? Well, it, like I guess what all I'm of a sudden it feels like the draft is tomorrow. I guess what I'm saying <sighs> is, as we, you know, you talk about for the Titans, they're hiring four coaches, they're doing a general manager search, then you're going to have the underclassmen come out, and then two weeks from Monday, 
go to Mobile for the Senior Bowl, and everything kind of hits a week to ten days afterwards. Boom, 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 boom. The schedule will be out, we think, around mid-May. Yeah, it's usually that sec- second or third-ish week of May. Well, now it is because the, the league is very interested in making the schedule release a thing, and so it is their May thing. Yep. Whereas the Combine is really your February, early March thing. Free agency is your March thing. The draft is your April thing. The schedule is your May thing. Mini camps and uh, all of the OTAs are your June thing. The open of training camp is your July thing. Preseason is your August thing. September begins your season thing. So they got a they have a thing for everything. You d- oh absolutely. I mean the the off season is not off. The only time longer. we're really down now is really the fourth of July. Yes, and I protect it with my life. I understand. Do not ask me to do anything fourth of July week. I, it's I'm my not. favorite holiday. I am out of office. Okay. Unavailable, Mike. Unavailable. All right. So the Titans schedule in starting to study these teams, uh, littered with playoff teams, as you would expect. Yes. Obviously, Jacksonville is a playoff team now. And so, because of that, they are a home-and-away opponent that is a playoff team. Seattle, who is a home opponent, is a playoff team. The L.A. Chargers, a home opponent, a playoff team. Miami is a playoff team, a road opponent. Tampa Bay, a road opponent, that is a playoff team. Cincinnati, a home opponent, a playoff team. Baltimore, a home opponent that is a playoff team. Mm-hmm. The uh, the schedule is not as rigorous as it would have been had the Titans finished first in the division. Nope, no. If there's any advantage to it, which d- that feels very very much like a letdown at this point. Yeah, this is all kind of crunching my yeah, heart. But yeah, go on. You don't have to see <laughs> Kansas City. I feel like we see them every I year know. anyway. They'll still pop up somewhere. They'll show up. They always do. No <laughs> Kansas City, no Buffalo. That's great news. No Buffalo, no San Francisco. Phenomenal. Stay away. The Titans do have nine home games, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Carolina, Chargers, Jacksonville, Houston, Indianapolis, and Seattle. It would be a great home schedule. It's a very good home schedule. It's a great home schedule. Uh, there will certainly be announcements later in the spring. If the, the AFC this year has the ninth home game for the 17th game, they have the ninth home game. So do, do you get flex to – Europe somewhere, do you, you know, do you go somewhere? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But those announcements would be coming pretty soon as well. They generally try to get out ahead of that for the publicity because those games are wildly sold out. Yeah, you got to get your tickets early. Yes. Uh, I mean, really, those are, they involve a little bit more planning. You got to announce it early. What else involves new planning is the new Duncan Rewards Program. These are rewards you can really use. No, really, you can't. Use them on free donuts, coffees, and breakfast sandwiches, and then use those free donuts, coffees, and breakfast sandwiches to say anything from, hey, thanks for that thing you did, or my bad for that thing I did. Join Duncan Rewards today. Save them, stack them, use them however you want. America runs on Duncan. Terms apply. Not your finest transition. Why is that? You've had some really good ones. That You one didn't was, like that one? Eh. What was the problem with that one? I give it a six. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was fine, but the whole point of the rewards points is you don't have to plan. You can just use them because they're rewards. But you can plan to go to Duncan to build up the rewards points. 
Oh, okay. I'll give it a seven. Okay. Not not not, a not sterling. No, not even an eight. Okay. So a few a few highlights from the course of the season to discuss. Obviously Ryan Stonehouse breaking Sammy Baugh's record for punting yards. Yeah. Uh, for gross punting. Sammy Baugh's record stood for eighty two years. Ryan Stonehouse, who punted ninety times, averaged fifty three point one per punt gross, forty four point zero net which is still awfully good 30 inside the 20 with nine total touchbacks he did have 59 punts returned for 636 yards an average of 10.8 which is not hugely surprising because he was kicking the ball so far and the titans chose to let him kick it far and then cover those kicks and i think overall it worked out the longest return they gave up was 27 yards so nothing disastrous in that area they mailed Brian Stonehouse's cleats off to the Hall of Fame. I saw the box go by. It's really remarkable. Isn't beca- that cool? Because he is he's now set that record, and he was also the NCAA's all-time record holder, averaging 47.8 per punt. That's not bad for your rookie year. It's not bad. I mean, that's pretty awesome. And to have your stuff in the Hall of Fame your rookie year, it's pretty cool. You want to bet on something? I bet sure. he never averages that high again. Really? Yes. Why do you bet that? Because he will improve his skills in terms of directional punting. He will improve his skills with the end-over-end kick. He'll have more kicks down inside the 20. He'll have less kicks returned. He will become a much better situational punter. I was impressed with how much better he became through the year. Because I didn't know if he could do that in training camp. I thought that was the biggest area that the Titans would miss Brett Kern because he was so good at it. But this young man kept getting better and better. I think as he improves, those numbers will go up even more. I think he will be a high 40s to 50 guy who helps them more with field position and overall positioning. I think he has that kind of talent. And that is a compliment. Yeah. That is that is not a criticism. Yeah, he's not just relying solely on power, which is something he had so much of. And I mean, as a rookie punter, he I mean, my man was launching that sure. ball. He was so strong and so powerful in his legs. But yeah, having a little bit more of the directional aspects, having more tools in his uh, toolkit as a punter. Um, I think you're right. Well, I think he's going to have – yeah, he's not just going to be the fastball. He's going to have a changeup. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have more of a changeup going forward, I think. Yep. The other couple that jumped out to me statistically, obviously Kevin Byard leading the team in tackles again at 106 and leading the team in interceptions with four. So he continues to be productive. David Long finished second on the team in tackles even though he missed the last five games. Wow. 86 tackles. Roger McCrary, third at 85. Started all 17 games. Roger McCrary was really fun to watch this season. I mean, you take this rookie class, and I think you see you see Traylon Burks, and you see what he did and what he can become. McCrary certainly played really good ball for a rookie. Nicholas Petit-Ferrier did a really, really nice job. It was a starter. Chigakakwo was a starter by the end of the year at tight end. Hassan Haskins played a major role. We keep forgetting about Kyle Phillips. We don't forget about Kyle. Well, no, Phillips. but we haven't talked about him in a long time because Correct. he, you know, he didn't play except for early in the season. He got hurt in the first game of the year, and then he tried to. He played a really good game against the Giants. 
He tried to come back. He lost another fumble against Buffalo. I think they will go back to him as the punt returner next year and see if he can't get that worked out. But in listening to him talk Monday in the press conference, it's obvious he's going to try to put on weight. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is something we all had noticed was that there might be a durability issue just given his size overall. Um, Putting on some weight can help you manage the um, force (laughs) that you are encountering in the National Football League. It was amazing to meet him the first time Mm -hmm. because he did not look like a professional football player. He looked like a a golfer or a tennis player, somebody who's in really good shape, mm-hmm. but not somebody with the, the kind of bulk that you would expect. To, I mean, even if you look at a guy like Mason Kenzie. Yeah. Mason Kenzie, who was brought back to the Titans on a futures contract this week and has been on the practice squad for three years, he's a 5'10", 195-pound to 200-pound guy, but he's a thick, muscular guy, and Phillips just looked totally different than even a, a Kenzie or, you know, a guy that we've seen, you know, Khalif Raymond or somebody mm-hmm. of that of that sort of look. And you just wondered, can he get through it? And I, I think, unfortunately, the answer was no. I did an interview with him during training camp with Kyle Phillips, and he said he has a hard time <laughs> convincing people that he's a football player, right. especially being from California. He looks like a like a surfer or a skateboarder, just Obviously, someone who's in great shape but is incredibly lean mm-hmm. and is not super tall. So he he struggles that people don't believe him when he says he plays football, and especially playing football at the professional level. Sure, like nobody was buying. But that you know, story. he can really, really play. He can, and he's and smart, and he's fast. If they can just figure out a way to keep him out there, I mean, we talked about him in the preseason and. Man, how much he would have helped this football team this year. Whomever was the quarterback caught eight passes for 78 yards but caught five for 62 in the first game and or six for 62, something like that. And and it's like, man, if they could have kept him out there. And I know if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, what a wonderful Christmas we would have. But he can clearly play to that level. But the but the question is, can he stay healthy to that level? And when you take him across this draft class, I mean, I think that the disappointment in the draft class is that Theo Jackson got away to Minnesota yeah. because Theo Jackson would have played a lot of football for the Titans by the time they, they would have needed him, you know, midway through the year. And I think he would have been able to step up and help, but he got the opportunity early in the season to sign – with Minnesota's active roster, and if you're him, how do you not do that? Yeah, but, I mean, to your earlier point, having the the wherewithal and the knowledge that, okay, Kyle Phillips needs to put on a little weight. This guy needs to do this thing. This is what the offseason is for now. These are the evaluations where we say, okay, what can we do to establish the depth that we clearly need at certain positions? What can we do to start – getting people in a place to have more durability to last throughout the whole season. What can we do to get this team healthier? How can we start this process right now, the day after the regular season ends, to start getting ready for 2023? What changes can we make? How can we get this team along further with as many of their people intact as they possibly can? That is the challenge for this Titans offseason. It is. 
And when you consider how solid this draft class was as a rookie group, I mean, Petit Frere starting every game except one at right tackle, McCrary starting every game in the secondary, what you see from Burks, you know, Malik Willis is still, we'll have to wait and see. He wasn't really expected to play much this year, and he appeared in eight games. So I think he's a, a work in progress. That there's a there's a question mark. The two fourth round picks, Conquo and Hassan Haskins, both played. Phillips played when he was healthy, and then to add Stonehouse as an undrafted, to add Jack Gibbons as an undrafted, to add Josh Thompson as a rookie signed off Jacksonville's practice squad. Uh, they did some pretty good things in in that particular area that give them some cost-effective options towards building a base. And, you know, they're going to need another offseason like this. There are going to be many things solved about the salary cap for the Titans pretty quickly. And you're going to read the number, and wherever you read the number in terms of how far over the Titans are, you're going to be like, oh, man, you start the offseason so much and so much. But understand, there are two to three to four moves that the Titans can make in any direction. You pick the two to three to four moves, and they can get right back under the salary cap. So this is not something that is going to hang over them. Now, the question becomes, what are the two to three to four moves? Yeah, because there or do are they, a lot Or do of... they make six moves? Yeah. The, I mean, the Titans are a real choose-your-own-adventure right now. There's a lot of different roads that you could walk down with the team. In no way are the Tennessee Titans backed into a corner in any capacity. You can go whatever direction you want to go, and there are moves to be made that can help get this team where they want to be. Well, the statement has been made, and I think it's true, and the reason that the general manager hire is so pivotal is we will probably look back – in five years, and say this was the offseason where they put themselves on the course for this. Because what you do have, you're right, they're not backed into a corner. But there are big decisions to be made. Absolutely. And these big decisions will be, will be what affects your free agency, and then that affects your draft. General manager, offensive coordinator, offensive line, which is always a key position, especially because you've had stability there. Uh, the teaching position in the secondary, because you're going to be very young in the se- outside of Kevin Byard, you're going to be young in the secondary. Hooker is, you know, maturing into an older player. He's sort of that middle-aged now as he goes into year five. But everybody else is one, two, or three. Yeah. Fulton will be a four. But, I mean, it's going to be and, – and I think that's what it's always going to be. Yeah. I think you're going to be drafting corners and safeties. I don't think you're going to be signing – a lot of corners and safeties. I agree with that. Because for what the cost is of a defensive back, it's much better to draft one and and see if it can work out than it is to go sign one and have it not work out. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It's an expensive position, and there's a lot of there's a lot of expectations on a position like that, and there's the injury factor too. The older people get, especially in that position the harder it becomes to be as durable as is required for that position. Well, that's a great point. And it's hard. It's a hard position, too, right now because of the receiver talent that's coming out. Oh, yeah. You, you have a Jamar Chase who comes out of LSU who didn't even play in 2020, and he's a man. And, and he is a ready-made player 
for the NFL. He's as good as DeAndre Hopkins, almost, the first minute he walks in the league. And these guys keep walking in. Justin Jefferson walks in. And and all these guys keep showing up and and they can do all these things. So you have to find the defensive backs to physically match up with them. With a... 22-year-old grown man. Or in some cases, a 20-year-old grown man. And then you still have the guys at 30 who can really, really play too. Uh, Well, it's changed. I mean, when I got to the league, they used to say receiver was the second hardest position to play outside of quarterback. And that was because receivers didn't have to make the same sort of reads that the quarterback did in college. And so they weren't as ready. Well... I don't think that's the case anymore. No. I, I don't th- I mean, we've seen more receivers. I mean, listen, had Traylon Burks not gotten hurt, had he not, you know, missed the six games, I, I think Traylon Burks probably ends up with a, with a close to a thousand yard season. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the way he played in the instances where he played, you're like, yeah, that guy can do this. Mm-hmm. At 22, yeah, he yeah. he can do this and. Now, he's got to take the next step. If the Titans' offense is going to get better, I, I don't care who they hire as the offensive coordinator, Traylon Burks has to take the next step next year because they, they took the pick that they traded for A.J. Brown with the thought process of taking him and knowing that while he not, might not be a one initially, he's got to grow into a one pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think he understands that. It seems that he is very in tune to – the task that's in hand, the challenge that has been set before him. And I still think that all of the obstacles that he overcame in the early, early, early part of his career, the asthma thing, the losing some weight, the just coming in and returning to the team as more of a pro even than he did in rookie minicamp. I think he took his licks pretty early and then really kind of understood what this was. And as he has continued through his rookie season, we've seen him, even in struggling with an injury, even not seeing him on the field as much, but we've been able to see him take this seriously, mature, understand what it means to be a pro in every facet of having this job. And I think that that experience is really going to help him going forward help him lock in earlier, help him understand what this really entails, and he hopefully will take a big step from year one to year two. Yeah, he needs to. Yeah. And and his two injuries, I mean, the toe and the fact that he got knocked out because he was hit in the face, those were, those were not injuries of lack of preparation or being out of shape or anything no. like that. Oh, absolutely I mean, not. the toe injury could happen anywhere – and, and obviously, you get hit right in the face in the end zone. Um, I mean, still made the play. It was it's still And still made the play. Yeah. But, you know, so you miss three quarters of that game because you get knocked out and then you miss two, you know, two more games. So, you know, hopefully and, – and, and that's the whole thing is, I mean, some of if, – if you ask me what my greatest wish is for the Tennessee Titans in 2023, it's luck. Yeah. yeah. It's just a little bit of luck. You know, and and just to have a break. Mm-hmm. Um, Some but, years you just don't get well, any. Well, I mean, this team hasn't got any for two years. Yeah. And that's been the tough part of it is they have just not – and really for three when you consider what happened to this team in particular during the COVID situation in September and October of 2020, 
Yeah. Uh, this team needs a break. They need their best receiver not to get hit in the face and knocked out for two and three quarters games. They yeah. They need some things like that to just happen to somebody else for a change. Yeah. Yeah, and that's part of the injury thing that's so frustrating. And Mike Vrabel said it. We're looking at everything, but some of it is just bad luck. Well, and he made the point, too, 90% of it's in-game. And if you've played a sport at all, you know a high ankle sprain is not something you train for. Or you you say, oh, I'm going to do this so I'd never get a high ankle sprain. An ACL is not something. I mean, that happens. That's an injury of competition. Yeah. Uh, injuries of competition are just part of it. And again, that goes to the luck standpoint. Right. It's just. Yeah. I mean, some, there's I'm, nothing you I'm can sure do. there's somebody out there that has some data that would make the case that those are injuries that can be avoided with a specific sort of training. Maybe so. Well, then. But in no, but the, the, the point being, that would be a very small group of of any audience would believe that. Well, and I don't know if I want a football team full of people who spend the offseason only like training their ACLs. Like I want you all lifting <laughs> Volkswagens like right. Derrick Henry. That's well, what I want to see. Well, you know what I thought was the the callus and the blister analogy that he used the other day was really interesting because I talked with somebody in the fo- in the game of football who thinks one of the big problems with football right now at every level is that uh, we don't hit in practice anymore. And the rationale is, towards the callus, is that when you hit in practice and when you do more practice things like the old days, not, not the Oklahoma not the drill, stuff. not the crazy stuff, exactly, none, none of that. But back when you did that, you would be used to the angle that you would have to take to hit somebody. Your neck would get a little sore after the first day. And it didn't mean you had a neck injury. It meant your neck was sore. And so after a couple of days of it, it got better. You know, you would finish the first couple days of two-a-days, and you would have muscles in your legs that would be hurting you that you had no idea that you had. In other words, the only way to get ready to play football is to play football. Right. Yeah. You can lift Volkswagens, and you can run laps, and you can lift weights, and all of that is valuable. And there are clearly more training tools available towards explosion and yet the game is the game yeah and we do less of that now than we ever have before so then when you are missing the practices then you are more likely to be a blister than a callus even more so than 30 years ago because you don't do as much actual practice today yeah that's a very good point that's i never thought of it in that well, way and I that's po- a very good I played high school football. That's as far as I went. But when I played, I always liked to get in some contact the week of the game. Not because I was any tough guy or anything like that. But just because I felt better going into the game if I had had some contact on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the OT people who are listening know what I mean. It's just you... You feel a little bit of of a rhythm, like you're ready, like you've taken it on... You know, you've jarred your neck just a little bit there, and so you know how it's going to feel the first time you make contact. Yeah. And it's just not done as much anymore at, at any level. It's not, no. it's not just the pro level. It's the, it's the college level. And now, instead of playing through some of these things, soreness, guys sit out. Yeah, because they're not 100% or right. 90%. Right. And, yeah, that's a very <clears throat> interesting thought. That's a very interesting thought.
Yeah. So there, I mean, there are going to be a lot of dominoes that are going to fall with the Titans. This GM search, which I don't think will take forever, moving towards what they're going to hire as an offensive coordinator, who they choose to hire as the offensive line coach, who they choose to hire as the secondary coach. Um, and then, you know, the moves they start to make in advancing uh, the the message of what the team is going to look like among some of these veterans as they try to get the number down and get started on, on what they can do free agency-wise and move towards the draft. I think it's the most intriguing offseason since 2016 when this franchise was reshaped. Yeah, I when agree When this with that. team was reshaped, when everything was redone. I mean, it's it's seven years in the making, and uh, it's going to happen. Yeah, there's a lot to watch, so stay tuned. Stay tuned, indeed, to the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans, our longtime sponsor, and we certainly appreciate all they do for us. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving members and protecting their health for 75 years. Now that it's 2023, it's really 76 years. Well, because it was you 1947. Update your sheet there. Well, I just read what I'm given. Okay. I'm like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Learn about our Tennessee roots at fbhp.com. For Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. Thanking you for joining us for the OTP.